Welcome to Bloody Mary. I'm Kristen Lighty, well, your host. And tonight with us, we have Danny Gallegos. Oh my God, it's so good to have Danny on. You may remember her from her episode a uh, few, many years back uh, on the Babadook. And eternally one of my favorite people. What a huge delight. We met in Chicago so long ago, but Danny, so good to have you. It's so good to be here. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm excited to be back after so many years and still pulling apart horror movies from the perspective of being a woman in society. Hell yeah. Hey, Danny, why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you do? My name is Danny Gallegos. I was a stand-up comedian for about eight years. I have shifted that to... Uh, being like a party planner and kind of all around event host. And I also work customer service at a health tech company. So, yeah. <laughs> Recently, I've been trying to bring back We Still Like You, actually, which is a show that I used to run in Chicago with a couple of people. And it was a shameful storytelling show where we would book comedians and Kristen, you've done it before, right? Oh, yes. I shared yeah. my shameful tale. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we just encourage people to speak honestly about things they've done in their past that they might not be so proud of and accept that it is a part of life and move past it. And if everyone's an asshole, then no one's an asshole. Exactly. I always thought it was such a fun show to watch people just be vulnerable. And, you know, I like to think of it as like, look how far I've grown, you know? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And also, it's like funny to get stand up comedians to be vulnerable, because they think they're being vulnerable all the time. But really, they're not. And yeah. so once once you force them into it, it's fun to watch. <laughs> I do feel like it was one of the most, uh, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, kind of uncomfortable creating that set. You know, I did one about an incident when I was a kid where I, you know, I didn't lie, but I omitted some truth that affected another childhood friend. And then I did one again about, you know, kind of falling victim to one of the first unions I worked for and like being in a position I felt was like very much against my core values. And uh, like when I finished that set, I was crying and uh, it was crazy. I mean, it, it was pretty intense. I don't know if I was there for that one. Oh, I don't know if you were. It was a DSA one. Oh, yeah. I couldn't make it to that one. Damn. But yeah, you should bring that show back. It's so good. I'm trying. I thought the thing about LA is it's really hard to get a venue. That's probably like the hardest thing about producing out here because everybody that does have a space is very they know that they have a hot commodity because it's like everybody's a performer everybody's a producer but nobody owns space or rents a space I seem so to remember a lot of we still like you's happening in various apartments throughout Chicago <laughs> yeah and we had been doing one in an apartment here but very tragically it burnt down oh my yeah. god like recently so oh I'm sorry I know, it's really sad but I'm gonna figure it out I you thought will. I found a space and then it turns out the owner is kind of difficult to work with um, a business owner that's difficult to work with I know what a absolute shocker you would never have predicted weird I know 
so uh, um, unique. I know. Well, I have faith you'll bring it back. It's a great show. People love it. People want it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will be hosting a trivia night every other week at a lesbian bar called Honey's. I could totally and see you being a LA's fantastic host. Premiere. Thanks. It is Elliot's premiere and only lesbian bar. So. What? I know. I know. That's it's shocking. Crazy. I know. It's wild. Green Bay even has a couple. <laughs> LA, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I don't know. A friend, a mutual friend of ours, Jake Knoll, and I were having the conversation about how um, almost all Midwestern women are just butch lesbians. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if they're straight, they're butch lesbians. We know how to live through a winner. Yeah, yeah. Very cozy, a cozy type of person, but also thick skin and really loves like a good stew, like a stew, (laughs) a hearty. Yeah. Midwestern women are hearty. (laughs) Hearty and sturdy. That's me. That's what I love. That's what I love about them. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my God, a crow just landed on the car that I'm in. Like big ass crow. Oh, it's a sign. That's ominous. Yeah, it is. So, Danny, it's been a while since we chatted about horror. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know we already went through these questions, but it'd be fun for people who haven't heard the Babadook, you know, to get to know you. How do you feel about horror? How do you like it? I enjoy it, but I have to be in the mood. I'm not like one of those people who can just like throw on a horror flick and like, like it has to be like if it's a really scary one. This crow is like going nuts right now. Sorry. But if it's like a really scary one, I'm like, all right, it has to be like Sunday at 11 a.m. when I watch it. (laughs) I have to be in bed and I have to have like the lights on and like something to shield my eyes. Um, I'm very easily jump scared. So like anything with a jump scare and I am like under the covers immediately, I'll yell. I like, yeah, I like have audible reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like the people who I watch horror movies with don't and they laugh at me. And I'm just like, maybe you, maybe it's you. Maybe I'm not the problem here. Maybe it's weird that you don't react to a jump scare. Maybe yeah. you have bad reflexes. Maybe you're dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you're desensitized to this, it's not a good thing. No, and I would argue you get more bang for your buck, you know? Yeah, by being actually scared. But if I get in the mood, sometimes I stay in the mood for horror for like a month and it's all I want to watch. Like I need that adrenaline. But then always immediately after, especially if it's like gory, I have to watch like a Disney film. <laughs> Balance the palate. I get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I have to get my brain down from this. Or I'm going to have horrible dreams. Oh, that is for sure. I get that as well. I'll have stress dreams if I watch something scary right before bed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. My my therapist uh, truly understands me, I believe. And she speaks to me in a way like she always puts things in terms of horror movies or union contracts now. Like she got me to understand uh, not checking work email right before bed because you wouldn't watch a horror movie a gruesome grisly horror movie right before bed would you and I was like no I wouldn't she's like (laughs) you need to think about your email the same way and I was like you're brilliant 
Wow. <laughs> it's really funny to like, if you were to personify a work email as the Baba Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they will creep around in your brain like that. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it is kind of like, isn't living in capitalism just being tortured in a basement that you can't mm-hmm. get out of? Yes. Like, in essence, I mean, it's like you're alive. Sure. But are you comfortable? <laughs> Probably not. I'm shocked it took us 10 minutes to get here. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I, do, I think about that a lot, though, how capitalism, you know, feeds us into a job we have to work our whole life. And if we don't do well, you know, oh, we might end up homeless and alone. And, you know, that's the fear tactic to keep you yeah. there. So what a yeah. fun, terrifying thing. Truly the the real villain <laughs> uh okay so let's talk about fake horror instead of the horror of everyday living life. horrors yes <laughs> yes for us to chat about tonight danny has chosen 2021's uh scary spooky black phone Ooh, ethan hawk ah mixed feelings okay uh, <laughs> danny why did you choose black phone um because i while I like enjoyed the movie itself, I really liked the themes that I felt it was attempting to tackle. And so I've kind of noticed this pattern in media recently where it is like media targeted towards men to teach them about feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% agree. <laughs> like you have Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the real life docu-series Ted Lasso that is Welcome to Wrexham, which was a docu-series about Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny and Ryan Reynolds buying a soccer team like a very poor soccer team from Wales. And it's literally just like real life Ted Lasso. These two like Americans come in and they're like, oh, this soccer thing means a lot to you, huh? I don't know the rules, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna help. And then like, it just kind of ends up exploring why men love sports so much. And maybe it's because it's the only time that they can feel things. I just said that to someone the other day. Like, it's the only public space where men are allowed to have feelings. Yeah. And it's the only time they can hug. And it's about, like, it. there has to be that wall of something else and something, like, more masculine than them that allows them to, like, feel and emote publicly and nobody will shame them about it. And it's like, you've got this guy who's like favorite team finally wins and he's bawling publicly. And everybody's like, yeah, that's Matt. And his team just won. And everybody's like, "Mm, yes, Matt, his team. (laughs) And, you know, it's as a union organizer, it's always blown my mind, like how people can experience such solidarity for a team, but not each other. But not each other. Uh, I I, get it. Yeah. I will try sometimes to put, because like I do, I have probably like a 50, well, I would say, I was going to say like a 50-50 gender split of friends, but then I was like, what about my non-binary friends? There's a large chunk of them too. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't know. Of my male and female friends, I would say I have like a good 50-50 split. So I do a lot of like switching in my brain of like, today I'm hanging out with my girlfriends and we're going to be like free and talk and emote and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and then I'm hanging out with my guy friends where I have to put a wall up because- Don't share too much. It'll get weird. It'll get weird and everybody will get uncomfortable and everybody will think you're crazy. (laughs) But it's like, I still like, I love my guy friends, but it's like, at some point you guys have to maybe look inwards and realize that maybe I'm not the crazy one. And bringing it back to Black Phone, I feel like that movie tackled toxic masculinity, masculine emotions, And also like the nature of individualism versus community. And maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but also I looked it up online because I was like, am I giving this too much credit? And like a bunch of like horror writers and like critics felt the same way. So I was like, okay, maybe this was the intention of the film. And I felt like the pacing of the movie itself was a little rushed, like as a film, but I felt the kind of like metaphor visual metaphors that he used were really unique and cool and even though it it was kind of in the it's like horror Ted Lasso of like spoon feeding men to learn about their emotions I think it did a good job of it because it follows like this boy who gets abducted trapped in a basement and then he can I can we do spoilers? Oh, of course. Okay. You All can right. even swear if you want to. Ooh. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I just I just thought of it. I'm all over the place right now. But it was like, uh, we told my niece when she turned like 14 that she could swear. And she just went. Slight <laughs> <laughs> sigh. Yeah. She was just like, I don't think I want to. And she never does. Like, we all gave her permission. And she just doesn't. It's not fun if it's not offending. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If it's not an act of rebellion, it's more of an act of rebellion to not swear. But anyway, yeah. So it's like this boy gets kidnapped and then he uses the voices of the or the ghosts of like the previous boys that had been captured they all left him like a little helpful thing and through like like he wouldn't have been able to do it alone none of these other boys who couldn't talk to ghosts were able to do it alone on their own what do you think finney being able to talk to ghosts and hear the past represents i mean so it's like his sister and his mom had oh yeah the vis- vision power uh what would you call it? Just sight, sort of a gift powers. Yeah. yeah, gift. And then their extremely like toxically masculine father was like, "You're not like that. You like don't." And so it's like in this way, like Finney kind of has this connection to the feminine side of his family, and he is also like throughout the beginning of the movie, he's like he's not a fighter. He's bullied for being weaker. And like, but he is like, he's close with his sister. He's very communicative. And like, he has that one close friend. He has like, 
he has that like initial connection with the baseball player at first who's like the first kid that you see get kidnapped where they're just like kind to each other and like that other kid like didn't have to be kind to him you know Mm -hmm. and then that other kid who is like kind of scary like beats the shit out of the bullies and is like you have to prove yourself or else they're gonna like yeah what was his name robin i think it robin ayeo the kid wears the bandana and yeah maybe maybe yeah 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 he's sick i loved him so maybe like i don't know maybe the the gift that he has is kind of like him being in touch with his like sensitivity like the women in his family were Mm -hmm. and then like you have ethan hawk's character who also has it but it has like driven him crazy like you know he hears the phone too and he's just like but it's broken so I don't so it's like actively a piece of him that he is choosing to not let himself be a part of oh yeah and like had he just kind of accepted it in the way that Finney did maybe things would have been different um maybe he wouldn't have been a magician yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i feel like this movie thoroughly instilled in me that my instinct to be afraid of magicians is correct yes but (laughs) i went to the magic castle recently which is like have you heard of the magic castle Mm -mm. it's this institution in la that is like an old mansion that like has been around since like the 20s and you have to either have a membership or be invited um, by a member to get into and like Houdini used to like stay there and perform there and stuff and it's been around forever and I went and I do I like sleight of hand magic for the most part sometimes it's a little cheesy and I'm like "Mm, okay (laughs) but there was this one and he like closed out the night there was this one just like little Swedish man, maybe, or like Dutch. And he did this trick that was so good and so well performed. And to this day, like, I don't know how he did it. It made me like tear up. I was oh, just like, wow, it was mind blowing. Okay. Hashtag not all magicians. <laughs> <laughs> I was just very whimsical mm-hmm. um, and just like, I don't know beautiful in a way but most magicians especially I don't know the ones that like go to parties party magicians Mm -hmm. it is funny though how this movie kind of like does role reversal like you have magicians that are supposed to be fun and whimsical like you said but oh he's a serial killer and then you also have like childhood which is supposed to be portrayed as oh kind and loving and they're beating the shit out of each other with rocks and like really drawing blood oh my god yeah and you know what is so wild watching this i was like this feels like a stephen king movie did you feel mm. that too yes definitely i which is- i felt like it was very like an an homage to stephen yeah. king for sure which is wild cuz you know who wrote the short story it's based on Ooh. His son. No way. Yeah. He changed his name or like he goes by Joe Hill, which I think is funny that he chose like one of the world's most famous union organizers, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Wow. Good for him, though. 
because it's like nepotism can really only get you so far you still actually have to like bring it Mm -hmm. honestly though I don't know if Stephen King was my dad and I decided to be a horror writer I would just roll with the name I'd be like yeah I'm Stephen King's stunt like oh yeah I would do the whole do you know who I am do you know me do you know who my father is (laughs) absolutely but I felt like a lot of the times in the the visions of like being that's really interesting that he chose a union organizer's name to go under because I felt like the movie was very much about like the strength of community and like how everything will be harder if you have to do it alone and you might not be successful because like even when the boys are like out on their own not kidnapped like it is a constant fight and but when they help each other out like it's better and then when he does get kidnapped and all the like previous boys who were murdered come to aid him like he couldn't have gotten out there without accepting his sensitivity his gift and without accepting and trusting that these ghosts while horrifying were trying to help him like he had to trust somebody you're so right because like when you are organizing a campaign with coworkers, you have to trust that everyone is coming from a place of good intentions right it can be hard you know yeah our dynamics are weird why do you think all the boys who are ghosts can't remember their names I guess it's like it's the first thing to go it's like they're identity was like stripped from them oh yeah oh yeah the the griffin ghost says uh i don't know my name you probably know my name you know all our names every kid in the state does yeah Ooh. like i'm pretty sure that kid wasn't he the one that like finney says over the phone like you were really quiet like was he like i think he he was was like like, i didn't know you yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, no one did until I died. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody paid attention to me until I only became famous when I was brutally like kidnapped and murdered. Yeah. I think that really says a lot about the sensationalism we place on these cases. It's not so much trying to find them as it is waiting for them to turn up and then sensationalizing that like even Gwen says oh they'll find him but not how they want to and it's like Uh, yeah nail on the head oof yeah and like we really do that a lot like do you remember that case recently with the girl she was like traveling in a van with her boyfriend and like the internet was like you guys aren't doing a good enough job. We have to be the ones to like the and this kind of like obsession that grew around it. And it was like everybody knew she was dead. I don't know. It was like an obsession to like find her body and like find the person who did it and who everybody was like, it's the boyfriend. And it was just like something that really and they show a little bit of that in the movie, too, of like the the public reaction to these types of cases and these like true crime things where people are kind of using it as like a distraction from their own life. Because like you have the brother of the killer who is a cocaine addict and living upstairs 
and is spending all his time working on this case that is literally happening below him. I uh, really love that they chose to do that as well, because being a child of the 80s, you were always taught about stranger danger and be on the lookout for strangers coming to grab you. But in actuality, it's someone, you know, it's someone, you know, yeah. Max's uh, character kind of threw me. He was like so almost comic relief because mm-hmm. he was funny. Yeah. But then at this like, uh, and when he did figure it out, you, you were like kind of sad when he got killed immediately. Oh, it was you such knew, a, it's like, yeah. hey, do you want to hear the story of how I found you? And Finney's like, no. And it's like, no, just get me out of here, you freak. Uh, also, can we talk about the police having no leads and like rallying around a elementary school girl? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, but also how like to be taken seriously, she had to yell basically she had to like really make herself present because i like she was either seen as like crazy or the cause of the problem they were like Mm -hmm. you can't just know it must be because you did it and she's like yeah you fucking idiots (laughs) it was me i did it (laughs) gwen was great truly like she she had like a a small role but she like i feel like she kind of like stole the movie she was so good and she was like such a personality it was really fun to watch like her character and like doubting jesus maybe you're not real (laughs) (laughs) she's like what the fuck man and it's like who hasn't felt that at some point or another like whether you're religious or not, who hasn't just been like, if you are real, what the, what the fuck? Yeah. Why Why are you letting all this terrible shit happen? Why, why are you doing this? But then also something that I found interesting that this might be giving them too much credit. I don't know. Like, or maybe not. I don't know. The, the masks showing the emotions of the, of Ethan Hawke's character and how like, his voice always stayed around the same but then he had to put on a mask to display the emotion he wanted to have come across and he had like different masks for every emotion that he felt like when Finney wasn't playing the game he comes down with like a sad face and it feels like the idea of putting something in front of your vulnerability like you can't actually emote but you also can't not emote so you have to kind of like put a mask on to like hide what you are really feeling Mm -hmm. I think that really speaks to what you brought up earlier about him refusing to be in touch with his emotions so the masks are a literal way one to hide his shame and also project what he thinks he wants to feel yeah exactly you phrased that really well and is this before the internet how did he get these masks maybe he made them oh maybe that (laughs) what if there's just like a whole nother movie where it's just him being like a like a play sculptor i mean if he keeps his shirt off i'd watch it 
<laughs> I'm a 90s teen. I have feelings about Ethan Hawke uh, that made this movie difficult to watch. <laughs> he has aged nicely, is what I will say. He really, there. Yeah, you know, he has. And good for him. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, what? Ethan Hawke. <laughs> Oh, he was in Moon Knight, too. I was like, what else did I see him in recently? Oh, yeah. Reality Bites. Yeah. Um, oh, you mean recently or? Recently. Oh, but yeah. He, he played a real freak in that, too. Oh, he loves he... to play a real freak. He was in the movie Sinister, which I enjoyed as well. Oh, I don't know if I know that one. Oh, he finds a bunch of uh, old home movie footage in his home, and it's of murders, and like it makes him go insane and become a murderer it's pretty spicy and good Ooh, okay that sounds good i realized and i don't know if it's like a subconscious thing but i've been watching a lot of like trapped in basement torture style movies like i watched black phone and i watched barbarian and i Ooh. watched yeah i watched something else that was also like this person is trapped and they are being tortured. I can't. But I think that happens in Ohio a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't that wasn't there like a big case that came out of Ohio where somebody was like trapped for like something crazy like decades. 11, yeah. yeah. And then Absolutely like wild. was able to get out and like run to the neighbors or something and had yeah. been missing forever. Absolutely wild. Why do you think uh, Ethan Hawke's character? I mean, we don't really even know his name. We just know him as the Grabber. Why do you? Yeah, think, the Grabber. What do you think? I I personally love a horror movie that does not explain the villain. I think it makes it scarier. Mm -hmm. Um, but why do you think the Grabber is the way he is? I think he is like repressing a lot of things about himself, and it's driving him crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, like I think he's. He's like refusing to acknowledge his connection to ghosts um, or the afterlife or I don't know, like, you know, he's he's like not acknowledging a lot of parts of himself. Like he won't even like acknowledge that he has a real face. Mm -hmm. And I think and I don't know something about the fact that he treats it as a game called Naughty Boy, like. And that he has to, like, catch people. He has to, like, catch boys lying in order for him to justify killing them. Like, what he wants is to kill them. But he has to find a way to justify it first. He doesn't just ah. kill them. But he is also then forcing the situations in which they have to lie to him to stay alive. Mm -hmm. or to try to stay alive and he's just like oh well you've been bad so now you get punished mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting that he has to create the scenario in which he can feel justified in murdering these children mm -hmm. mm. Uh, I think that's an excellent synopsis yeah I think it's interesting that because like he could just kill them in the van he could just take them and slit their throat and throw their bodies you know but he mm -hmm. doesn't he has to just, he has to like create a scenario. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that traces back to what Robin said earlier in the film about, you know, how he beat the shit out of Moose the bully. And Finney was like, why did you have to do that? 
And he said, the more blood, the better really makes the point, which is. Yeah. Uh, but again, a throwback to that, you know, what we consider traditional masculine behavior. Mm-hmm. Like he it's not that he is a bad kid. He just had to prove a point to protect himself. Mm-hmm. And that's so fucked up. Like, just don't act that way to each other. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really interesting how Robin turns the conversation on Finney when he's a ghost and he says, um, you know, we don't ever leave a, man, a friend behind and you have to stand up for yourself. You have to fight. And he's like, you know how to fight because you know how to take a punch and you get up every time. So it was like instilling this confidence in Finney, mm-hmm. even though he was always the one being, you know, <laughs> beaten to hell. Yeah. And also, I really liked, I think it was in that same conversation where Finney's like, why are you helping me? You didn't get out. And he was like, well, I can't have died in vain. And you need like you need to do this for us like we suffered but you don't have to which I think is like a larger message in like a lot of aspects of life and also like in in masculinity like a lot of men suffered from like beatings from their fathers and like repressed emotions and all these things and it's like but you don't have to you can learn from this rather than like try to do it yourself like you can lean on your community and you can change it it's kind of like the like the recurring theme that has also been happening in other movies like everything everywhere all at once and in Kanto of like like trauma that is passed down through families of immigrants and it's like we've all suffered maybe you can be the one who doesn't mm. But it's like, it is a choice that you have to make. You can either like stay entrenched in like, this is how it is. This is like how it's always been. And so this is how it just keeps going. Or you can be the one to like stop and look back and be like, maybe we can learn from this and maybe people don't have to suffer anymore. Maybe people can get out. Mm -hmm. Man, that's really beautiful. I'm so glad you messaged me to talk about this film. (laughs) It really had me thinking for like days. And so you were the first one because I was just like, I've got too many thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) I have to put them somewhere (laughs) with somebody who understands (laughs) because I was trying to say this to my boyfriend and he was just like, "Mm hmm. Like, you got all that out of that? Did we watch the same movie? And I'm like, did we watch the same movie? (laughs) I don't know. I know the feeling, and I'm sure my friends are thrilled I started this podcast. They're like, yeah, "Ah," probably like, yeah, I get it, Kristen. Metaphors. I don't know. What do you want from me? (laughs) I fucking love a metaphor. Me too. They're so good. Hey, what were your favorite parts of Black Phone? Um, I did that, that conversation with Robin, um, I thought was really touching. I think it made me cry. Like, just because we suffered, you don't have to, and don't let us have, like, have died for nothing. Like, please, you're so close. Just trust us and get out of here. Like, I thought that was great. And then, oh God, I, like, I say that this is my favorite, but I think it was like, maybe my favorite 
performance when Shinny breaks through the wall into the freezer and finds that the freezer is locked and he finally just like breaks. Brutal. Heartbreaking. But like, what a good job that kid did of like really capturing that emotion of like defeat. That I mean, he did a great job. Good for that kid. Do we know the actor's name? No, he was stellar, though. He was great. Good for him. I'm sure we'll see him in more things. Yeah. I mean, any scene that Gwen was in was great. And that scene where she talks to Jesus was Mm -hmm. so funny and so good and so relatable and also so, like, defeating. Yes. Uh, Yeah. The kids were so adult and relatable in this movie. Uh, My favorite kid or, you know, portrayal was Vance Hopper, you know, kind of like the 80s badass who Finney said, oh, I was afraid of you. And I remember when I was little, so many kids like that in the 80s, like, well, they're cool. I'm afraid of them. Yeah, (laughs) they're so cool. I'm so scared. They're so cool. Yeah. 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 The the pinball wizard. Mm -hmm. And then you had Sweets Fox on the run blaring when we meet him. And I was like, oh, Oh, yeah. Vance is cool. And that like kind of... When Gwen appears and it's like her dream is like his path. And like, so it's almost kind of like he's like contacting her to share this with him so that she can, I don't know. I really, I really just loved the sense of community in the movie of like community is how we progress. It's not individualism. Individualism will leave us dead in a basement yes i want that on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt you will be trapped forever unless you learn to like trust others even the people that you were afraid of yeah yeah that is a perfect final thought i couldn't put it any better myself at all thanks (laughs) (laughs) is there anything else you want to add about black phone just that I thought it was really good and I'm excited to watch it again and I think more dudes should watch it and come at it from the perspective of having an open heart rather than it just being another like horror flick mm-hmm. open your hearts open your hearts <laughs> hug your homies <laughs> call your boys just to talk yes I love it I love it Yes, break the cycle of toxic masculinity. It could be you. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Danny, it is always a delight to talk with you, and I'm so glad you could do the podcast. Oh, yeah. We need to uh, do this without the excuse of a podcast. We should just catch up. I know. I was thinking we could just have phone calls sometimes. We could just do nice. a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Like Maybe homies. I should listen to my own advice. Call the homies. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I will I will check in with you yeah. and it won't even be a podcast or anything. Wow. Just to like talk about life. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that for us and our, for our future. <laughs> Me too. All right. I've been Chris Lighty and that's been Danny Gallegos and this has been Bloody Mary. Have a good night. Bye. Let's go.